Welcome to What God Has Done With My Pain, episode two. Wow, episode two, that's crazy, the fact that I've made it that far. God is so good. Um, In this episode, I interview Linda Lindsay, who I think is an incredible person. I admire her and treasure her deeply. She is such a God-loving woman, and she is just, I mean... I, I truly cannot describe her. Um, she's just incredible and indescribable. And I'm really excited for you to hear what God has done with her pain. I mean, the theme of the podcast, I've managed to keep it on track. So I hope you enjoy this episode. How can I contain this? Knowledge of your love. Shout it from the roof. Um, I want to start off by saying, what an honor it is to have you on my podcast, Linda. Oh, you're like welcome. you're such an incredible person, and you are so strong. Um, I like I've mentioned it before. I've met you in passing and um, in the Grace Kids, but to actually get to sit down and talk to you is is a whole different experience. Well, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> are you um, just out of curiosity? I don't think we've ever talked about it, but are you? originally from North Carolina? Where, where, where are you originally from? No, I uh, was born in Indiana oh. and I've just moved all over the country. I mean, I spent the first 18 years of my life, well, no, 22, just within 18 miles of my home oh, wow. going to school and all that. My family didn't travel or anything. And then uh, moved down to Texas and uh, then later got married and my yeah. husband and I have uh, traveled all over the country in ministry and wow. work and things like that. Did so. you like? Did you grow up in the church? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Well. No. Yes and no. Uh, my parents were not churchgoers, but my grandparents were. Oh. And so I got my just love of the church. Didn't know Jesus for quite some time, but especially through. Um, my grandparents, one mm-hmm. set of my grandparents, that whenever we'd go visit them, they'd take us to church, and I just loved being there. And even as a child, I would go uh, to church by myself and uh, because my heart was just so drawn there. And But it was years again, you know, before I really understood the true meaning yeah. of a relationship with God. So. Yeah, and that's, that's amazing. It, it seems to be a pattern in a lot of people's lives of like I, I was in church as a child but my relationship with Jesus hadn't solidified yet like right. I hadn't known what that was like well what was little Linda like oh my was goodness. she a troublemaker was yes she a- <laughs> you did not hesitate <laughs> I was uh, the middle child of five oh. and the third girl and I was very mischievous and uh disobedient at times I can only remember two spankings but uh, they were very profound in my life. and uh, But I have to say, yeah, I was outgoing. Um, I'd like to be up on the stage, you oh. know. I like singing and dancing and uh, being in little musicals and things like that. And oh, wow. Did you get along with your siblings or did you have, like, sibling fights? Oh, well, I mean, I got. I feel like I got along with them. And we, you know, especially my second oldest sister, we played a lot together pretending and uh and I loved my two brothers they were just treasures to me so and then my older sister was a gym because uh she 
you know, she was very artistic and she would make paper dolls for us and uh, we'd play school. And even when uh, I got older in middle school and she was five years older than me, she let me borrow her clothes. I'm sure we had little spats and all wow, that, but yeah. but I treasure uh, my siblings and even more so today, you know. Yeah, that's incredible. That's yeah. A lot of very the times lucky. with my clients, I hear them saying like, my sister touches my stuff and that's a big no, yeah. you know, like. We do not share clothes. <laughs> That's not a thing we do. So it's nice to know that, like, you guys had that. Oh, yes. We needed each other because yeah. the rest of it wasn't so great, yeah. you know, yeah. growing up. Yeah. And do you do you feel like, um, or I, the way I like to, to, to think about it is, up to what age do you feel like you were a kid? And then after a certain age, do you feel like you transitioned into knowing a little bit more about the world and the toughness of the world? Or do you think it was like a mix? Uh, I think it was a sudden life event. My mother um, was 38 years old when she suddenly died. Mm. Well, that's and, young. Yes, and so young. I was 12, and she. Uh, we, it was just totally unexpected. It was due to um, smoking mm. joined with uh, um, birth control pills, which was a big no-no in the 60s, but they, uh, from my understanding, you know, they, the birth control back then was very strong and way more than powerful than what they give today. Wow. And so she died of massive blood clots Mm. and uh, she kept having these little spells and then it was just over. And so that was very devastating because my mother was the glue that held my family together. Yeah. Like my dad, uh, bless his heart, he was, I loved my dad and I hated him at the same time. Mm. He, uh, I, you know, I look back at pictures of him and he was, he was really a loving, good dad. And, but he was, you know, he was a, an alcoholic and he, it just kept getting worse and worse until it just took away who he was meant to be. And he became an angry, um, absent father. Yeah. And it didn't stop when my mother died. And yeah. so that was very painful. And um, it just changed him. It changed our whole family dynamic. Uh, it was a, you know, it was a very fearful and uh, un, you know, distant. We never knew what was going to happen next. And yeah. So. Yeah. So that definitely changed me. That was a turning point for me because, you know, uh, my sister was off to college. My other sister was, um, she was there a lot, but she was at that age of being with friends. And so I was me and junior high with my two brothers. And that's such a pivotal moment in a young girl's life where you need your mom. Yes. Because that's a transition from little girl to young woman. Right. To like, you know, periods brushes, um, little things of like doing makeup, getting ready, buying clothes. So I imagine like, yeah, not only was that a, a, a moment of transition for you into the real world of like the harshness of life, but also it being highlighted that she wasn't around. Right. Because I can imagine what that must have been like for you. And this is, wasn't fair, and I really didn't realize it till later, but I, I did blame my dad. Because I, I just felt like, well, you've been so unfaithful to my mother. Um, you've been harsh with her. You're never home. Everything's on her back. I just thought, well, the Lord just took her. Mm-hmm. You know, God took her. And that, you know, I don't really believe that anymore. I mean, um, I think it was just the, you know, it was a physical thing that happened that my dad did not 
yeah, purposely but caused. Sounds like but, twelve-year-old you was trying to make sense, right? Of right. a loss, and yeah. I felt happy for my mom. Yeah. You know, I, even though I didn't really understand, I felt for certain my mom had to be there. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, she sure did um, keep our family together and try to be a good person. You know, at the time, that's what I thought. So, yeah, and then I don't know if you want to get into this. This, but. Um, uh, also, during that time, my dad um, one night tried to sexually assault me, and that sh- rocked my world completely because no longer. And, and you know, one thing he said to me at that time was, "You you remind me so much of your mother. You're just like your mom." And so that clicked in my head yeah. and was, "I'm not going to be anything like my mom because yeah. I don't yeah. want." what you're trying to push on me and uh, right and nothing ever happened after that Mm -hmm. but it you know I could not ever feel like I could trust my dad or that um I was you know afraid I I felt guilty like well I I brought that on me you know I I brought that on him you know like oh my goodness like I used to I thought that he before that moment that I did try to dress like her, you know. Yeah. I mean, I those were the days when we wore these little three-cornered triangle headscarves. Oh, the, and they yeah. matched your dress yeah, and your shoes and all that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that scarf left, you know, yeah. after that. And a part of you died, right? A part of you. I died never died thought of it that way. Yeah, but. because off of, I mean, I was gonna ask. Yeah, like, did you feel guilt afterwards? Because you're being told this, and all you can do is self-reflect. You know, you don't you don't think as much as like you you can, but you don't think so much of like what my dad is doing is wrong and it's not my fault. Like you immediately reflect on yourself and to be told that the you know the woman you loved and the woman is no longer here, your mother, and like you of course were like possibly dressing up like her and like just trying to hold on to her memory, having this happen, just that piece of you that was holding on for so long and fighting for that memory was taken away like you you went into a mode of like I, I can't let this happen I I don't want this to happen again I don't want to feel uncomfortable I want to put up a secure way of knowing that I have control in this moment knowing right. how I carry myself and how I act and yeah and it sounds like you know the way you describe it it's it's, an, it's a beautiful outfit and it's a beautiful way to like wear wear all of that in then to have to put that in a box. Right. And put it away. And then I felt like I lost my dad at the same yeah. time yeah. because I couldn't get close to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I was afraid of him. It was like I had, and I, I could, you know, and he tried to reconcile that relationship, but it was never with the truth. I mean, like he, I, I'm a, a little girl, but I knew what was hap- what mm. was going to happen was not right, and I didn't understand the birds and the bees at the time. Yeah. And uh, that's those were the days where you didn't have access to the internet, and you didn't couldn't you know you yeah. had to find out different yeah, ways, I, either I, from parents or school or whatever. But um, so yeah, I, I felt like I lost my dad at the same time, and that was really a, yeah. a lonely feeling because I can I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I talk about it in my episode, but. Um, when you're when you're a child and you haven't been exposed to that and you haven't developed into that curiosity yet and that is introduced to you in a completely different 
platform and perspective, whether it's like a family member or a close friend or something. Like it's it's just like you are like it feels like a part of you wakes up in an odd way. Yeah, you know, it's confusing. It's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. it was very confusing. And then, I, but it was the thing I was uh, was going for also was that because he, I knew it wasn't wrong. I knew it was wrong, and I knew that it was, you know, a big part his fault. But he would not admit it. He was in such denial. If he would have said, you know, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. You know, God would not have wanted me to treat you that way. Then, um, but I couldn't say. I at that time I could. All I could do were every time we'd have those talks, I could. I was just frozen. I couldn't say. Uh, you know. You know, he what he would say to me was, "It wasn't what you thought." Uh, you took that the wrong way. Mm. And I was like, no, I did not. I did not. You and I knew to be it. Validated in what happened. Right. I, you know what? I have, I didn't talk about this in my episode, but I, but I have a similar like moment where I had shared with my mom something that had like <clears throat> occurred with my stepfather at the time. Like he, he made a pass at me. Um, and I think I was like around 12 mm-hmm. at that age. And I told my brother about it. My brother confronted my mom about it. My mom confronted him, my uncle, and everybody got involved. And he denied, 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 denied that I was crazy, that it didn't happen, that I was making it up. And that makes you question everything in yourself because you know what happened. Mm -hmm. You have a memory of it happening. But then you can't have that relationship with that person because they're they're not acknowledging what they did. Right. They're not... They're not giving you that. And so it may, at least for me in that situation, it made me feel, did I make this up? Yeah. Was this just a figment of my imagination that I created? Do I know what I said? You know, Uh, because now that my reality has been questioned and like shifted and you're telling me that what I'm saying is not true, you go into this weird spiral where you, you it becomes such a gray area. Even so then though, you're wounded twice. Exactly, yeah. wounded twice. Yeah. So I imagine, like, off of what you're saying, like, you really, it would have been easier for you to have a relationship with him. Like, it would have, like, the healing process could have begun had right, he accepted right. the truth and what right. happened. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, too, I mean... Um, you know, I don't know if that situation kept him away, but, you know, he never came to any of our events or, uh, you know, celebrations or birthdays or anything like that. And, I mean, there's an end, there's a happy end to this story, so I don't mm-hmm. want to be so, you know, I, there really is a good good ending to this story. But, but to have I, a good end, you've got to talk about. Right. And I, I know that it made me like an overachiever. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not bad that I, I did what really well in school that, you know, the, there are benefits to being overachiever at times. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and it also helped me get through a lot. Um, but I was always trying to earn his attention and his, mm. you know, true love. And, um, and then that, because of that, I think I went, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, as I got to be a young woman yeah. and a young adult, um, and, you know, part of that's on me, too. I mean, yeah. I take credit completely for um, yeah. that part of my life. But I know that it's a pattern in yeah. a lot of people's yeah. lives. And you it's know. also just your first introduction by the man that you love, you know, your father, who is a man, like, made a pass. And yeah. so you make this odd association. Right. And it could be with anyone, honestly. Like, it, it, it's, like, like you said, it is such a strong pattern. 
then it's it, it messes up boundaries. It's like you would think you'd have stricter boundaries, and I'm sure there are women that do uh, with men, but for me, it was the opposite. And uh, it wasn't what I really wanted in my heart, yeah. but I didn't, I always felt like other people's um, desires were more important than yeah. mine. And there I, were times when I really didn't want to be involved in situations that I was involved in. I really agree with that. I feel like you either go into a strong right where you create a strong boundary or you turn left and you don't have that strong boundary. And it's just this blurry line where you're just like, this is what I know to be acceptable. That right. this is something that is just what's wanted and what's fun. And what's, what, what is the thing that, that seems to be, like, it seems to be surrounded in, right? Like, this is what you lean towards. They're not going to want to be in a relationship with me if we don't have this. Yeah. Or if I don't act or if I'm not willing. Like, because you never think about... Are you are are you wanting to be with me even if we don't extend to that? Right. Um, which is it, it's a hard thing to face when you you go into this um, snowball effect or domino effect because when that happens to you at such a young age and then you become a woman and become a young woman and you meet other like partners, you just associate with the only way that I can create a relationship with this person is if I become intimate with this mm -hmm. person and expose myself in a way that allows them in and this is how I can have like a, a relationship and like yeah like you're right like you we are responsible for what we've done and the people that we've been with but at the same time like it is like a, a cause and effect mm -hmm. too and same for for women who again I'm not a professional therapist or anything mm -hmm. but I imagine that for the women that create like a long hard line of boundary can also can hurt because it's like there is no such thing as like crossing that line mm -hmm. for some of them. So I just, it's a different effect. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you were saying um, as you got older. Well, I think too, you know, we're all looking for the ultimate love. And because that's what God built into us was to, you know, he made us out of love. Yeah. And he wants to connect with us in love the, in the purest way. And uh, the world, you know, ha because of what happened in that garden mm. way back when, um, we're all trying to get this sense of fulfillment with fake love, you know, um, or not just love, but, you know, power or uh, success, financial success or um, personal success or whatever you're feeling of. Mm. what's well, going to make you feel fulfill, fulfilled, yeah. you know, and uh, it's not satisfying or lasting, I, I found, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's like a temporary solution for a long, uh, for a long problem type of Right. I mean, I tried all kinds of things like to, you know, relationships, you know, I went from relationship to relationship and, and be great for a while, and then, uh, you know, that's yeah. getting boring, or, yeah. or it's, it's not getting me what I want. Yeah. And then I, uh, and I always dreamt as a little girl of being an actress, and I had moved to Dallas, Texas after college, and I got to, I was a flight attendant also, and that was another. That's incredible. That was a fun <laughs> thing I just wanted to do. How and, long were you a flight attendant? Um, I was a flight attendant for five years. And I wish I was still doing it, actually. <laughs> Not during COVID, though. Those poor flight attendants oh my really goodness. took a beating. Yeah. But it was a really fun job. But And 
so on the side, because you could, you know, you could schedule a lot of days off, I was pursuing an acting career. And I really had fun with it. And I was um, doing, was pretty successful. I only did it for a couple of years, but I did a lot of TV commercials and things like that, uh, industrial training films and radio announcements. But it was just never, yeah. never enough. There was just like, what's missing? Yeah. You know, what's missing? Yeah. And um, so that's where I was kind of stuck in my 20s. And you just, again, that's incredible to me. You were a flight attendant that. That just, I can imagine you, Linda, just at, in like, on a flight, tending to people. Well, I love the, people. Yeah, well, you, yeah. And I love serving people, and so that's that a good job. Like but there's, I mean, there's there's some bad parts of it, too. People. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. I and enjoyed it. And I imagine, it. like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure uh, it's so known about the, like, chasing, no, not chasing, but, like, stepping into um, becoming an actress or an actor, how hard that can be on a person. Like how the pressure of that and also the comparison of that. Right. Comparison. There's a lot of rejection. Mm. There's a lot of uh, competition, you know, but it's fun when you get a job that you like. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And how long did you do that for? Like how long were you pursuing acting? I was just in it for a couple of years. Although I, after I uh, became a Christian, I have used that gift for 42 years. That's I mean, I've used it in the church mainly. Uh, I've, like I started to, to college, I was going to be a drama mm. um, student. And then the people in the theater kind of freaked me out. <laughs> That's the, the flip side of uh, creative people. But I was just insecure, you know, but I ended up getting a teaching degree. But it's funny because then I taught, uh, I did a lot of directing children's musicals Aww. and for my children in public schools and in Christian school and uh, directed high school musicals and uh, dramas and then things for mission trips. Yeah. And I've done mime and things uh, for missions and yeah. women's groups and things like that. So I've been able to use that gift just in a different way. And in, as a big treasure box of gifts and things that you have done and sprinkled into the lives of others. Because when you're working with children, you're sprinkling onto them. Oh, I hope so. I mean, I really treasure children. Yeah, yeah. And and that's and that's beautiful because kids, they, they live, again, like back to what we said in the beginning, like before you step into, because you don't have to be 18 to step into the real world. Some people have a life where they, they stepped earlier than others and some, you know, at 12, 15, like different ages. And when you can preserve that childlike wonder for longer, it's so treasured, mm -hmm. you know, that nowadays it, the expectation on kids to be able to take care of themselves. And, and that's true. Like kids are capable of so much, but also giving them um, a bit of leniency of like, how about we let them live in this, this world of, mm. of childlike wonder before they go past it and you can never return. It's like you can't go back right. to what that is like. And so to sprinkle onto those kids and to feed into them and pour into them, it's it's really good. And sometimes kids can teach you things too. Oh, also, that's what I was going to say <laughs> is because, uh, like, I'm still doing teaching children. Uh, I taught uh, kindergarten mostly for about 14 years, and I taught totally 25 years. I taught from preschool all the way through high school and but my favorite was the kindergarten and I still teach at church here too because they like you said they teach me so much they give me such joy and I still feel like I'm able to keep up a little bit of my childhood because yeah. you can sing and dance and 
Um, I think as adults, sometimes we need to remember that we're still children and yeah. in a good, you know, in a good way. Yeah. Um, just I, uh, that faith, simple faith and that is joy. So I saw this video a while ago, months ago, where this woman was turning, I don't remember how old, but she was having a birthday and she was saying that like, although she may be celebrating, let's say 35, someday she's still a five-year-old. Some days she's a 10-year-old. Some <laughs> days she's a moody 15-year-old, you know, and some days she just wants to be a two-year-old. And that there's nothing wrong with finding that child within yourself and bringing them back out. And I think a lot of the times we won't allow ourselves to be kids. It's even with, like, our loved ones. Like, there's this, like, unspoken expectation that you need to do this and this and this. And that's great, being responsible. But, like, what what more fun can you have while doing being responsible but with joy behind it and right. responsibility and running around and because then that trickles on to your spouse your family your friends that that joy versus feeding into the hard expectations and kind of being like well no I feel like I'm just gonna be joyous today or a little lazier today or I feel I'm stuck in this weird mood and that's probably 15 year old me again mm -hmm. Because I don't know about you, Linda, but I remember what it was like to be a teenager. And I do not miss being a teenager. It is such a weird time. Right. You're, you're, even though you're not under a spotlight, you feel like you're on the spotlight. Right. You think everyone's <laughs> looking at you, everything you you're do. So the universe. Yeah. And you are just gaining your confidence. Yeah. But if your confidence is not based in who God made you to be, then it's a, it's a real battle. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh my goodness. And I mean, this, this has all been like this, the, just the beginning of everything that you've been talking about now has been truly incredible. How about we take a quick five minute break and then we jump back into it and go on to everything else from once you went from going and pursuing, pursuing acting to when you met your husband and you guys got together and what that was like for you as well. Okay. Awesome. What you've done for me. Okay, now that we're back, um, yeah, so talk to me about what it was like transitioning out of flight attendee or like what your life was like. Because you said you were stuck. Okay, well, well, I was married uh, right before I uh, quit flight, being a flight attendant. Um, and I... I went through a divorce. I was married for two years and uh, went through a divorce. And then it was about, um, I guess it was just maybe another year. Uh, my life was not going where I wanted it to. You know, I, I wanted to be a person that people looked up to or uh, respected, and I wasn't that. And so... I flew with uh, a fl another flight attendant, and um, I don't think she would mind me sharing her name. Her, at the time, her name was Mitzi Little Creek, and she was oh. a just a beautiful girl. I just loved her. And it was funny because the first time I flew with her was during her um, – you had to go, like, through a, a little proba probationary time, and you had to mm. fly, and you weren't officially a flight attendant until you flew with another – uh, uh, veteran flight attendant yeah. and all that. And so she was on my flight, and bless her heart, she was getting sick almost every flight. And we um, had like seven legs to our trip. And I was going to write her up and saying, I don't think this girl should be a flight attendant because she's always getting sick. And I then, I, you know, I thought about it. It's like, she's here. 
she's good at what she's doing. It's her choice, you know. I mean, yeah. if, if she wants, you know, if she is getting sick and she can deal with it, who am I to um, decide, make a decision for? And so yeah. that was amazing that I did that because that wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, the old me probably would have written yeah. her off. Yeah. I'm She'll so grace. glad yeah. I didn't because anyway, we ended up becoming roommates. Oh, wow. What and a jump. <laughs> I know. You up. I know. And yeah, we ended up flying it together a lot and she needed a roommate and I needed to get out of a situation I was in. And, uh, and I, you know, I really was hesitant because I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to live up to this beautiful girl's yeah. expectations. Yeah. I want to, but they live different lives than I do. But I just knew down in my, my soul yeah. that if I don't move in with her, my life is never going to change. Mm-hmm. And I moved in with her and she and a friend kept bo- inviting me to a Bible study. Didn't want to go, you know. I thought the people were a little odd, and so finally, I just went because I wanted to get her off my back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I ended up going, and they were going through a little booklet that told how you can have a personal relationship with God. Wow. And like I said before, I always wanted to know God, but I was—I didn't know the difference. I didn't know all the different religions. I didn't know what was the path. I didn't know what Jesus had to do with God. And if that was truly the way. And so they shared about, um, you know, that um, that Jesus had died on the cross to pay for my sins. And that uh, because he had lived a perfect life and he was the son of God, he proved that mm. by dying on the cross and being resurrected three days later. That was proof. You know, I read all of that. That just really struck a chord with me. And I knew it was the truth. And I didn't tell them at the time that that's what I wanted. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the book went on to explain that you can, by faith, you know, mm. just admit to God that you've made mistakes and ask him to forgive you. And I had no problem doing that. I had yeah. a big, long sin list. Um, and I did. And I um, asked him to be my heavenly father and that I wanted to live for him from then on. And so my life did a complete 180. It ah, really did. Isn't um, that amazing? Like right. looking back, you can see, like it probably didn't happen with a snap of your finger, but you can look back and be like, oh my goodness. Like, well, I didn't understand how Christianity all worked. I didn't understand who the Holy yeah. Spirit was, but I did know that, you know, now I could say no to things. Mm. And I could, you know, there were, I mean, especially for women, there are some really charming, charming guys out there. Mm. And they can just draw you in. You know, I see them, I see them still. And there's just, (laughs) they're still out there. I'm old, but, you know, but I was able to say no. And I had never been able to have such great boundaries. And, And it was funny because it was like, I could see that even they, it was almost like I had this shield in front of me, like, don't touch this girl. She's not who you thought she was anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And I loved that, you know. It was God protection over me. And and I started making good decisions. I met my husband then. Um, Did you like him at first? Um, yes, I, I was very, you know, drawn to him. It was funny because I, before I had become a Christian, I had joined this, this gym in Dallas, Texas. That's where we met uh, because I wanted to marry somebody that was good looking, healthy, and rich. (laughs) 
Linda, what an amazing <laughs> game plan. For all of you listening, uh, and yeah. you have not found a man or a husband yeah, right. or a partner um, of any sorts, please know that um, <laughs> that is the perfect. Find a little circle with all of those nearby, oh and you're set goodness. to find the right person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, anyway, my I was riding on a exercise bicycle with uh, that little booklet. I was trying to memorize it so I could share it with other people. Wow. And um, he recognized it, came up to me, and we just started talking. And he identified himself as a Christian. And, uh, yes, I was very attracted to him and drawn to him. And we started just hanging out, you know. But I, I could tell that. He was really anxious, ready. He really wanted to get married. And I felt like I'm not ready for that at all. I yeah. mean, I just accepted the Lord. I I would not be a good person for mm. you to go in that direction mm. because my life has been an absolute mess and I need to spend more time. And so one time we went out um, and he was taking me somewhere and I came with my Bible and I told him right off, I said, we need to have a talk because, and I told him all of that. Yeah. And he said, okay, <laughs> just like that. I mean, yeah. like he, I thought that he was, you know, too eager to want to get married, but he, he had, it was like, he was like, okay with that. It was yeah. like, okay, he respected we can just be friends. Yeah. And, I, you know, he trusted God. Wow. Um, although I know he really liked me. Yeah. But uh, but it was funny. Once he said that, then it gave me the freedom. Okay, well, let's just hang out more then. And, yeah, because you're like, well, uh, now I'm interested. Yeah, yeah, right. And I didn't feel like it had to go that direction. Yeah. And it gave me the freedom. But it did move along quite quickly. <laughs> and five months later, we were married. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. And I, I was very lucky because, not lucky, but blessed because I really didn't have a lot of sense about me. And before, I didn't really make yeah. good decisions. But God gave me a second chance at a marriage. And um, he, you know, my husband was walking with the Lord. And together we grew and and raised five children wow. and, and have had a a good journey together. I mean, it's not been easy, you know, because life happens out there and we're still growing. And even I'm 68 and I'm still making mistakes and still growing. Yeah. But we're heading in the in the right direction, in the right direction together, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I mean, it's so important to be so transparent when things don't go right because right. we, especially in this era where everything has a filter on it, everything is polished when it's posted, um, people aren't going to put on their Facebook feed um, all the arguments that happen behind closed doors right. or when things fall through or when they're struggling financially or when they're going through like, I mean, I guess it depends on the person because some people do post everything, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like in, in this society where we have a lot of influencers and picture perfect and um, just like the, the idea of the perfect body and the perfect relationship. And so sometimes when you are in a very healthy marriage and relationship, but you have things that you stumble over, it's so good to be transparent and open because it, it shows that like this is normal this is real, this is human, um, which a lot of people are quick to kind of shield their their lives and and not be humble and, on, and honest and 
a lot of the times that's probably what another couple needs is just to be like, oh, wow, like they struggle with the same things we struggled with. Let's go ask them for advice. How did you overcome this? Or they're parenting a teenager. How did you overcome right. this? And it's the little things that if you're willing to be transparent about it, then opens up the door to either. Because like um, your pain later on becomes someone else's help. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're able to look back at how you overcame certain things or what tools you took from it and you see someone else struggling in that same area, then you're able to step over and, and with their permission say, hey, like this is what helped me. Or even opening up the door for them to come in, into your house and ask you how, how it opened. So, yeah, like like you said, it, it probably was not perfect the whole time, but that speaks so true to growth and, and being a, a real person and being authentic that a lot of the times we want people to believe that our lives is perfect, but they're mm-hmm. not, you know? I think it's so important to not keep secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you don't have to tell everything about your past. I mean, my husband and I don't go pat through our past relationships and tell, you know, every intimate detail that, you know, there, some of those things just need to be let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't keep secrets at the same time. You yeah. know, he knows my journey completely, um, you know, it's just, I, I think you've just got to be, like you said, transparent. Yeah. I think it brings you together too. Like it, it, it unites you a bit more because uh, allowing someone to look into your life and see the things that you've been through and then accept you and, and show you love and grace, like kind of the unity gets stronger. Right. And you want to be able to say, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. Or yeah. for your husband to be able to say to you, I'm struggling with this, you know, yeah. uh, will you pray for me? Yeah. And, you know, most with that, you know, a lot of one of the biggest struggles out there, I think, for men is like just God, you know, I mean, looking at other women and there's just so much to look at out there <laughs> and a lot that's not covered up. And, yeah. and they need to be able to come home to you and say, you know, this lady is really flirty or or the way she dresses. And, yeah. And I'm glad my husband, as far as I know, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. told me everything, but yeah. I think he has. And we, yeah. I mean, I remember those conversations and it goes both ways, you know? Yeah, just being open and transparent. Yeah. Kind of like when you told him, um, I'm not ready for marriage, allowed him to show you, okay, that's fine. I'm willing to wait. I'm really mm-hmm. willing to be patient. And then that made you confident, confident and comfortable in the man that you were dating because you're like, oh, wow, like you respected me and you accepted what I said and you didn't put up a fight. That's, that's really good. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, like I agree. I feel like being super transparent with your partner and, um, yeah, because you're right. Like in some, some couples argue about why were you looking at her? And I wasn't looking at her and it's like, well, if you just say, Oh yeah, you're right. You caught me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, If that makes you uncomfortable, I shouldn't have done that. Or it could be anything like, whether it's you made an agreement and you didn't keep your side of it or just the transparency, coming clean, like not keeping secrets. And it's funny, too, and, and we're kind of getting on different topic, but uh, maybe somebody needs to hear this. But, you know, throughout your marriage, it doesn't matter whether you've been married two years or 40. The enemy, Satan, is always there to try to tempt us. I mean, this happened to me. It's It's been, it, it happened to me one time when we had given up are a very fruitful ministry to go back into seminary with five kids. And there was a temptation there for me that could have destroyed our marriage. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I had uh, never thought that that could happen to me. Yeah. Um, so 
it's like you just have to stay, like you said, honest and transparent. And luckily, um, that, you know, thing did not go down the wrong path. But um, you just have to be on the lookout all the time, you know, because we do have a spiritual enemy out there. Even if people don't believe it, it's true. You cannot believe it, but it's true. <laughs> Just like there's a positive force, there's always a negative force. Right. I mean, it's even written in science, too. Like, science recognizes that that's how a lot of the times um, things work. You know, you've got a positive and a negative force and one pushing and pulling. And um, But, yeah, like, it's so it's so good that you didn't give in to that temptation. I, I imagine you looking back, like, you can see what it would have done. Well, I, I wish that I would have noticed sooner the pattern that was happening Mm -hmm. and that's a whole nother topic for somebody to do on a podcast about (laughs) how things fall into uh you know a sin gets closer until it actually becomes a sin yeah that's a whole nother talk but um you know i i was getting sucked in and Mm -hmm. um but anyway yay god (laughs) he rescued me that's amazing and even now where you where you stand you are able to look back and see all that God has done in your oh, life. Oh, yes. And, you know, that was one thing I wanted to to say in this podcast was about my father, is that as I had became, I had, a, my, you know, gained my personal relationship with God through Jesus and had everything I needed in my heavenly father, then no longer did I, um, well, I was able to forgive my dad for everything, for um, and I was able to love him, and he saw that, wow. and it changed our relationship in a positive way. Um, we had that conversation one more time about where him saying to me as an adult, even it's not what you thought it was, and I was able to say to me it was what I thought it was. But Dad, I forgive you, and he didn't say. He never said, "Well." Again, I ne- you know, he never said again it wasn't what you thought it was. And he didn't say, please forgive me. I didn't have to have that. Yeah. But he changed. And uh, like you said earlier, it took me out of the equation of a conflict. And, um, and later, um, he returned back to the Lord. And I found out that he had accepted the Lord when he was 12. But he had a, he had a lot of things that happened to him that yeah. wounded him, that caused him to start drinking, uh, he had a horrible, abusive relationship with his parents and heartbreak. And so he started drinking. And so it helped me understand him more, too. And then later, before he passed away, he wrote me the most beautiful letter of blessing. Wow. Thanking, seeing, you know, seeing my husband and I and and um, that seeing how my life had changed and speaking that over me that God was going to use me um, to help many people. I remember him saying in this lost and hurting world, and nobody ever would have thought my dad would say that. Yeah. But it came full circle. You know, not everybody gets to see that. Yeah. And I, my heart goes out to those who never get to have that reconciliation with a broken relationship. But I was very blessed to get to have that. And, um, and I'm so grateful for that. That's incredible. It's, it also provided, it's kind of like closing a chapter. Right. They just dwelled on and dwelled on and that felt like it, you, it's kind of like when you're reading and you're like, when is this chapter going to be over so I can put the book down real quick right. and go, go cook or do something. And 
it feels like in that moment you were given a really beautiful end. And it gave me such faith because I thought if dad can heal, if God can heal this broken relationship and if I could see my dad change, wow, that would be the ultimate. And I got that from the beginning of my walk with, um, God and, um, and it's, it's really been a faith builder and it's, you know, a lot to hold on to. Yeah. You know, of course, there's always new challenges that come up. And I have to admit, I'm a weenie in the beginning, almost of all of them. <laughs> but then I look back yeah. at what God has done, and that keeps my faith strong. And then I stay in the Word and speak the Word over challenges and, uh, you know, no longer rely just on my feelings, yeah. but on the Word of God. You, you fit into this mold, too, that the Lord has provided for you. Um, I really love looking back, even in my own life, and seeing what God has done or how he's grown me or how he has made me um, <clears throat> appreciate the things that he has blessed me with. Because one of the hardest things, and I say it all the time, is kindness is not a weakness. Kindness is a very difficult thing to do in the, in, in the sight or in, 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 what's the word? Uh, well, just standing in front of someone who, like Pastor Kendrick has said, Giving someone forgiveness or kindness when they have done wrong to you or when they've hurt you, when you trusted them and that trust was lost. Right. There can be such pain that can live there. And giving a person forgiveness or kindness, giving them a blanket, giving them food, that is a very hard thing to do. That shows great strength shows because the yeah. world says fight back, stand up for yourself. Uh, get revenge, yeah. uh, but it takes a that, strong person to give forgiveness and meekness and gentleness and humility. You know, yeah, that's the that's, that's the normalcy in in the world. Um, is be mean back, don't let anyone step on you, and anybody can do that. You know, <laughs> yeah, the hard thing to do is to literally turn the other cheek and say, "I forgive you. I uh, I wish the best for you," and come from an earnest. Place. That mm-hmm. is such a difficult thing to do. Um, and exposing yourself that way, too, is stepping over what you really want to do, which is lash out, be angry, do something permanent in a temporary situation with your feelings. And then that that solidifies the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're if, if they've done something to you and then you repeat back, you, you shut a door that's really hard to open when you two have kind of like lash out on your emotions and you're like this is what I think awesome about you and you say things and both parties have said things difficult and then you both don't want to forgive you both don't want to reconcile but if you stay on the path of like I'm going to step away right now because I can't act on what I'm feeling mm. and then you come back and you're and you're That's able to good. say like you you were you were a bit mean to me but you know what like I understand that you probably have things going on I understand that I probably gave you a high expectation I probably was unfair to you at some point and kind of highlighting maybe the imperfections that you were carrying because a lot of the times we never want to be told that we're wrong mm-hmm. like we never want to accept that we did something wrong that we might have been in a mood we might have done this or that but before you can and I mean it says like before you can talk about a splinter in someone else's eye first acknowledge the log in your own like mm-hmm. We are so quick to point out the imperfections in other people, but we're not willing to look at our our own family, our own relationships, our own jobs, our own anything. Mm -hmm. And so being able to look back on yourself gives you the power of 
kindness and, and being like, wow, I deserve mercy every day. I deserve grace. And I think I heard someone say, you don't think about grace until you need it yourself. Mm-hmm. Until you're the one who needs forgiving or until you're the one who needs a little bit of like understanding, then are you willing to look at grace in the way? It, it, like a good example is like, let's say you're at work and someone overslept. You're quick to be like, ooh, someone's late today. Mm-hmm. Until you're the one walking five minutes behind through the door and you're hoping that you've received grace and like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's fine. You overslept. We're human. Very understandable. Because if you receive that, then you're you're kinder to yourself. But if you walk through and you're like, where have you been? You understand that the time is this time. You know, we can't have you doing this all the time. Like, depending on a, what you get when you walk through the door, will set the tone for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so... Making sure that when you are there on time and there is someone who's there late, you can give them the same grace, the same grace that you would appreciate if they handed it to you. So I really love that you came to that and you read this beautiful letter that your your dad gave you. Did he did he mail it to you? Did he hand it to you? How did you? He mailed it to me. Wow. Right. So it, you didn't expect it. No, wow. no. What was that like? Oh, my goodness. I still have it. Wow. Matter of fact, I was going to bring it and then I forgot. Oh, but, I still have your letter you gave uh, me. It, it, it sits in my Bible. Love it. I forgot I had it too. Yeah. I opened it the other day and I was like, oh, look. That's I think it's so important to, you know, still write letters. If you can, you it's know, more it's because more it's personal. lasting, you know, yeah. there are things like that, that one of my very best friends, I passed away when she was in her forties from uh, cancer. And mm-hmm. before she died, she wrote uh, those that she was close to letters, you mm-hmm. know, uh, things she saw that were good in us and uh, like spoke uh, just a blessing over us. And I definitely, you know, kept that too. So, and had she texted it to me, you know, I probably answer. wouldn't have it. Yeah. And that's beautiful because um, in this world and in our life, we already get highlighted everything that could be better about us, Mm -hmm. everything that we're falling short on. But if you can be the person that is like, oh, but here's a list of all the things that you're doing great Mm -hmm. and that you're achieving and that we're proud of you, like that is that also too has so much value because you're like, wow, like I did not see this in myself. I'm glad that somebody else did. Or Mm -hmm. when you hear someone else say like oh we were talking about you the other day and we were just like talking about how great of a person you are it's very uplifting right because we're already we we're like i tell all of my clients we are our own biggest critics right and we don't need help tearing ourselves down we can do that on our own we can well that's why you know also the word of god is so important because it is filled with promises of what Jesus said directly about us and the way he treated people and we saw how he treated people and uh, what we, who we are and what we are when we're a child of God. Because, you know, we can't ever, you know, it's nice when we have people and we're blessed that we have people in our lives and and we do, yeah. we're lucky, but there are many people and people change sometimes and uh, you know, at my age, people get dementia where the a loving yeah. mother may all of a sudden become your worst enemy yeah. because their brain is dying. And um, so it's the, the most important thing is to know who you are in Christ. And you yeah. can do that through reading the Bible, by going to a good Bible-believing church, by having Christian friends. Um, truth is truth, you know? Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things to say is, not everybody liked Jesus when he was here. 
there were many people who met him and were not a fan of him who, I mean, were even plotting his death. So I can't possibly hold myself up to expectation to be liked by everyone. I have to be okay with not being liked. And I also have to be willing to hold up that same model that he held of, you don't like me and that's okay. I still choose to care for you. I still choose to give you, yeah, exactly. Like giving you a ride if your car breaks down. It's okay if I'm not the flavor of person that you enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there are salt and vinegar chips that people love. That's their favorite chip. I cannot relate. I wish I could. Pineapple pizza people. (laughs) That's great. It's not what I eat, but I respect that that's what they like. And if someone comes to my house and they say I like pineapple pizza, I'm going to give them a weird look, but I'm still going to order it and hope that it fills their bellies, you know? So it's perfectly fine to not be accepted by everyone because that's not the goal here right how you will not find any fulfillment being accepted by everyone you need to find fulfillment in accepting yourself and loving yourself through jesus and what he did for you and how he accepted everyone you know Um, well his very last words um you know he said father forgive them because they do not know what they do Mm -hmm. and uh he was treated in the worst way, yeah. and that was the ultimate showing of of love was to die for for what for what we had done. You yeah, know? I I mean, when I stub my toe, I don't know where the Holy Spirit goes. But <laughs> he is not there for the next ten seconds when I am angry, and so I can, I I can't imagine like Jesus was tortured and, mm, and tortured whipped and just I mean nailed literally to the cross, and here I am freaking out over stubbing a toe. And so I, I, I am I am so humbled in those moments because I think about it. I think about like CIA agents or people who like are trained in, in torture and are trained in handling it. And I'm like, I would not last. Mm-hmm. I would blubber. What information do you want? I am giving it to you. So yeah, like it's it's true. It's, um, it's hard to follow that example that you just gave, but also... There's a reason it's there because one day you're going to want someone to show you grace. Right. And again, one it's day. perfectly fine for people not to be a fan. You know, you, the the point is not to get um, adoration and to have people praising you. That's not the point. Right. If that's your goal, you, you are very confused. Mm-hmm. The goal is to be there for others who need someone there and, and to give attention to the subjects that need attention. So, yeah, like there's so much beauty in and just humbling yourself for others and showing love to others and following that example that Jesus gave and up to his last breath. That's impressive. Right. Because I, I can, I have low patience. So I have to remind myself like not everyone loved Jesus and Jesus still up to his last breath maintained Mm -hmm. that love and that security. So, I mean, and, and that's something that Linda, like when you, walk around the church and you, you know, approach somebody like you have such a sweetness to you and a smile and a welcoming. Thank you. I, I am so grateful that I got to sit down with you for what was it? 11 weeks. Wow. 11 weeks and got to really know you and meet you and spend time with you. And even when we were doing the praying, get to get prayed over four times by you. So it's just, you're such an incredible person and your willingness and love for God is it's such a blessing in my life, and I'm sure in the lives of many others that are so blessed to be around you. And oh, again, you. like it's been such an honor to have you on my podcast. Well, I feel the same way. Thank you for having me. Of course. And um, hopefully, 
um, in the near future, we can have you back. If there's ever an update or you just want to chit chat or I don't have anyone willing to be interviewed, I'll just be like, come on, Linda. It's me and you, girl. <laughs> I would love that. Yes, I would love that. But I'm so incredibly grateful to have had you. And um, yeah, I hope you have an incredible rest of your year because it's the beginning of 2023 and who knows like 365 days that's a lot of days that's a lot of hours <laughs> who knows what's gonna go on so that's right i'm excited i'm excited to to be alongside you in this journey and me too you can reach out to me at any point but oh thank you so great thank you so much for listening to what god has done with my pain as always a huge shout out to lazuli for her song no greater love that has helped make this podcast come to life you can find her on spotify and instagram at lazuli proj and at we the new breed where you'll find artists using their gifts to glorify god swing by at what way this way on instagram to catch some behind the scenes snippets make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview in the meantime i would love to hear from you on social media or email until the next episode.